Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Culture A Gibson Show. This is Culture A. We're going into hour two. We're going to be talking a little bit of amateur versus collegiate esports on a general scale. And we're also going to be talking a little bit of LEC and LCS. LEC just had their first week, as we talked about in hour one. And then talking a little bit of LCS as well. And then also some Georgia State esports. And why we're talking about Georgia State esports is because I am here with the Georgia State League of Legends head coach, Brett Doster join me on the show for this hour too to talk about all these topics. Brett, how are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me here. I'm excited to talk about amateur and collegiate esports and specifically stuff at Georgia State. Well, let's go ahead and get into it. So looking at the overall image of amateur versus collegiate, and this has been a, a small debate within the microcosm of our scene. And for me, I put versus because they're both very different. And it, to me, Amateur has a lot more positives than collegiate. If you look at the amateur leagues that we currently have going on, we have Upsurge Esports League. They have 88 accepted applications, over 150 people submitted, three leagues to fit the demands. Player One Esports is there as well with a successful LAN tournament in the Player One Elite League, hosting the best amateur teams in League of Legends, and in the Fusion Esports and Darkstar Gaming League in there. You look at the amateur scene, alumni. Bob Jenkins, Value, Fnatic, Winter, Jurassic, Zazel, Ablaze Olive, Pycake Lord, and there's uh, the list could go on and on. And my point being is that I feel like players that want to invest the time in trying to go pro should be looking toward amateur because collegiate isn't there currently. And I know you have some inside look from it having been on both sides of the spectrum coaching the amateur team as well as coaching a collegiate team what was different about your experience coaching the amateur scene compared to your current work in the collegiate arena man well uh, I, I can agree with you there uh, amateur players seem to have a lot more to prove they got a lot bigger drive because when you join something like amateur for the most part it's pretty unpaid uh when you get to the the leagues and upsurge and things like that so they come in there they want to showcase their skill they want to take everything seriously whether it's a scrim a match or a show match or something like that so that they can show everybody regardless of the team the player or the organization uh, they want to show everybody that uh, they're here to play and they know exactly how good they are so they can keep moving up the ladder through amateur and hopefully into something like academy um when it comes to collegiate players, I, I work in the South, so we're obviously a little bit underve underdeveloped when it comes to that area, uh, which is a little bit embarrassing to say, actually. But uh, for what I've seen, it's kind of more like a fallback plan. Um, it's like we're, we want to play here at a high level, but at the same time, we want to make sure we're getting an education as well. So it's kind of like you're dipping your toe in the water, but you're not fully invested yet, like some of these players, like, uh, you know, in Polar Ace with, like, Winter and stuff like that and Supernova. Uh, players as well like where they're going all in I couldn't agree with you more if you look at collegiate it's really just those top four it's UCI the University of California Irvine it's Harrisburg it's Columbia College and then the University of Maryland there's a few more in there but those are really the top four that people look at at the highest levels of competition and that's in college out of all the thousands of collegiate programs there are four at the top and one of the big things that I see why the amateur scene is better is, like you said, it has better ladders to get to the pro level. They have higher level of competition, which means you get more eyes. They have their crap together. They have infrastructure. Most organizations that you go to the right ones have good infrastructure, a place for players to grow their skills, and then there's proper exposure. And this is my personal belief. Even if, even if 
you don't think that some of those pro coaches are watching, or at least even the semi-pro coaches for the academy teams are watching these higher-level tournaments for amateur, I can guarantee you at some point they are because that's where all of the best players are playing. Yes, you have the solo queue ladder where you can go try and find some random guy, but most of these guys on the solo queue ladder that aren't participating in the amateur scene don't have that 5v5 experience you're looking for and you're dealing with a lot of one-tricks and things of that nature where, oh, yeah, he can play a great cannon, but can he actually rotate, use his TP effectively, help my mid laner get ahead, play the macro game well, and play on a 5v5 level? I don't think so. And this is something I'm going to ask you a question about in a little bit, but the question really is, like, why is the, amateur, why is the collegiate scene so far behind? And for me, Brett, it's, it's four things, really. It's the money is just now funny, funneling in, yes, but it's funny money you know it's it's all optics no substance it's gimmicks to people it's hey let me throw some money at this thing so that my school can look good and be innovative at the same time the wrong people running most of these programs we have a few good apples like chad smelts at harrisburg who know what they're doing or at least let people that know what they're doing run it but otherwise it's the wrong people running a program that needs esports oriented esports minded folks that have been in the space and therefore, the programs are bad, and therefore, the comp competition isn't compelling enough to encourage the top amateur players to take it seriously, like you said. And a lot of them just use it to get free money for school. And, you know, it's great for your education, but not for your pro chances. Yeah, uh, that makes a lot of sense. I think I touched on the fourth point that you just said a little bit uh, when I was talking to you in the previous question. But I think that uh, those those points kind of have it right on the money, except you get those uh, outliers like Toronto a couple of years ago where they had uh, their, pretty much their entire team join FlyQuest Academy, and you saw JJ join FlyQuest in main roster. I think that Collegiate has a lot more opportunities than people give credit for. I think that the opportunities are hard to look for, and they're not necessarily for something at the pro level but they are for esports, whether it's learning those coaching skills like I'm doing or working your way up and becoming a director of esports or an esports head coach. I know several people, uh, good friends of mine, people that go to Georgia Southern that have graduated college and been able to move on to other programs uh, as a coach or as a director. So I think that like you're right on the money. Amateur is where it is for um, pro player like chances to make a to make it big in the pros but when you when you talk about logistics standpoint marketing uh, head coaches directors like i said earlier it just comes down to collegiate because that's where your opportunities are you get the education through the textbook and you also get your hands on through those programs but you got to look for those programs obviously it's very hard georgia state just started there two years ago uh, you know that very well harrisburg started theirs this year i have a couple of universities schools in georgia like north georgia uh, and georgia southwestern that are starting their programs a couple of small schools um i've been in contact in a school in alabama called montevallo uh they're a pretty good marketing program that's looking to build their esports program as well so you know there's those opportunities for maybe not pro players but pro coaches or esports directors at the collegiate level to kind of get that information and get that drive going and that's why that's why i love to see is that growth giving the students and the in the staff that I don't want to say deserve it because how do you really tell who deserves it outside of a resume, but really just giving them the chances inside esports. You know, like we both agreed, find people that are esports minded, have worked in this space to lead your program. And I think that a lot of people are looking at what Harrisburg University did this past year, bringing in Chad Smeltz, and they're realizing that. Just it's sad that he didn't come sooner, you know, when things were starting to really ramp up and you really needed those, the, that. 
uh, that picture painted for these other programs. But first of all, congratulations for your opportunity in Alabama, man. I, I really hope it works out for you. That's absolutely amazing and fantastic, and I hope more comes to you in the future. For anyone that doesn't know, Brett Doster is one of the brightest young minds in collegiate esports. Man's a genius, knows what he's <laughs> doing on the rift, can command people, can command a few egos. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the hour. Well, let's just round this out about, you know, let's talk what do the investors, benefactors, and Riot have to do to get collegiate over the hump? Because I've talked with some amateurs, uh, amateur scene folks, some of the, the bigger folks and seen a lot of them have this feeling that sadly amateur is is dying and i'll i'll get your perspective on that here in a second but the amateur will eventually die and it'll all be in collegiate hands but i don't see that as a good thing until i see a few things off this checklist and i'm going to go down it real quick first of all more money into programs we're seeing the big 10 conference doing this riots helping in some areas but for instance if we take georgia state for what they want to do in their program i personally don't see the funding there and they need more of that. They need to take it beyond just the sort of CMII gimmick that, hey, we have CMII and we have an esports program. whoop de doo It needs to be a forefront, copy and paste the sports programs, sort of build, get full-time staff that's dedicated to that one purpose, that one goal, and give them some more money to do great things because you can build all the buildings you want around it. But you know what? A mule is still going to be a mule. Putting it inside a nice fancy barn doesn't make it a horse. Putting it on a racetrack doesn't make it a horse. It still has to perform like a horse and get you to that 4.2 horsepower. I know I went to cars a little bit there, but second on the checklist is scouting has to be better. Less GPA grade restrictions on these talented kids. Sports programs, yeah, some of them have GPA fronts. For them, but we all know that there's the football, baseball, basketball players that aren't there to actually get an education. They're there to go to the pros, man. They're not here to try and, oh, I want to graduate and get my degree. And what, sports management? No. You need to lower these GPA restrictions. I'm not saying to 2.5 or something like that, but like a 3.0 instead of like a 3.6 just to be on the scholarship team, it's ridiculous. I know Georgia State made some strides toward that, but there are other programs that need to do so as well if they want to get that talent in the door to make it competitive because otherwise that's irrational to have a double standard just because you don't perceive it as a flesh and blood sport like other programs. Thirdly, the coverage has to be better. Big Ten Network, again, leading the pack. But we need that in almost every region. That sort of style coverage, dedicated 24-7 just about toward your esports. So we can get that out there to those kids, get them in, and get that out there to the general public so we can get more funding and more eyes. And then show that you care. Please show that you care. Don't just throw the money at the problem. Give resources. It may not happen, but hey, it's something that you can wish for. But Brett, I'm going to turn it over to you for a minute. What is your checklist? You know, give me a little bit of a what you want to see from the collegiate scene at a grassroots level. Yeah, I uh, I, I have very passionate about this. I think that money is one thing. Um, maybe not six million dollars like Harrisburg Harrisburg put in, but you need some kind of cash flow. You need a reason for people to stay. We need some constant growth. Uh, you know, monetary and, you know, physical. We need to see something moving on every year. I feel like at Georgia State, we're slowly going towards that direction, but sometimes it feels like we, we grind to a halt. Uh, but yeah, more money into programs, right? really needs to help. I think that the biggest reason that there is a clash of amateur versus collegiate, like we were 
were talking about earlier is because that Riot's not helping in either of those areas, and because people uh, like Garrett and and at uh, Upsurge and people like Dark Star Gaming and Bloody Gaming and stuff like that and Player One Esports, they're they're driving that way. But you know, as you know, the more money's coming in from places like Riot, and you see places like Polar Ace uh, Esports uh, organization not going through, you're going to see you know collegiate kind of try and catch up in that area so we do need some money into into collegiate to make it worthwhile for universities because i feel like that's what universities are really halting at um the gpa restrictions you know my frustrations with that georgia state has been doing better i think that 2.5 isn't bad um you constantly want to have people that uh feel like they're getting an education and they're learning stuff and they're constantly trying to succeed in academics as well but they sh it shouldn't be something where they're stressing while they're playing for the team because playing on a competitive team is stressful in its nature you know you get the nerves you get the the stress levels increase come match time and stuff like that so there's no reason to stress super hard over grades i like people are going to naturally try hard in college because they know that there's actual money on the line whether it's through georgia's hope scholarship or financial aid so i feel like having a high gpa restriction just puts even more stress on the people um the coverage and the show that you care is what i really really like though that is something that's super important to me uh when i look at programs like twitch they have people dedicated to helping colleges grow twitch channels ryan needs to be standing there right next to him and they need to say hey this is how you market your league of legends team hey this is how you get more people to show up to your twitch streamer show up to your twitter and you know start liking it or you know buy your merch if you're harrisburg university because they do have merch and i've seen it and it's pretty nasty i'm not gonna lie <laughs> Um, so you need to you you need to step forward if you're a university, but Riot I think needs to really lead the way because I feel like there's a lot of people at the helm. There's not a Chad Smeltz at every single university, like you said. So the, Riot needs to help lead that way to try and get them in that area so that people know what they're doing when it comes to esports. And that that box that I had that show you that you care box. If we're talking about Riot, I put an X in that box because. Yes, they've thrown some money. They, they've said they're going to revamp Collegiate with Collegiate LOL. But really, the people I've talked to who are more intimate with the situation, they they don't think that that's, that's it's a gimmick. It's a, hey, we're going to throw some money at it. We're going to show that we care, but we really don't. And to your point, the coverage shows in of that. The fact that I was talking with uh, a friend of mine that works with AVGL, and they're switching their coverage to letting the schools have their own broadcasts and casters and we're just going to pick up their broadcast when most schools don't even have broadcasts of their own or not quality ones that's unacceptable and it's not avgl's fault they're just trying to make sure that they can break even get a, you know have a surplus of money break the bottom dollar that's right that's got to step in and help these programs and give them the resources and the funding that they might need to have successful coverage of their programs as a whole and you actually brought it up earlier Going back to how amateur, it seems like it has a, a finite number of days on it. You were talking about Polar Race, and I know that's something that you want to talk about tonight. So tell tell the audience a little bit about that situation, your thoughts on it. Wait, can you repeat that? <laughs> oh, oh, I was just saying that you told me before we went on the show that you wanted to talk about the Polar Race situation, okay. how their, their team kind of... Uh, Dis, not disband, but they had to basically kind of let go of their League of Legends team. And I know I don't have any inside look on what happened, but it kind of puts an emphasis on the fact that one of the better teams in the amateur League of Legends scenes teams just had to leave. That that finite number of days that people were talking about, 
it just seems like it's there when you see things like that happening in the amateur scene. Yeah, so um, when you when you look at Polar Ace, uh, Coach Mike put out a twit longer as well as Polar Ace put out a twit longer. Polar Aces was a little bit more towards the vague side, but uh, Coach Mike just let it all out in the air. Basically, what it looked like was the organization that was backing the team, not the team itself, uh, simply just imploded a little bit. They had some investment gambles that didn't go their way. They had some... Uh, some risky, like I said, investments that just didn't happen and they didn't pan out. Um, and it led to some frustrations with Coach Mike and uh, the team kind of just fell apart at that point. Uh, but the team is staying together. They're apparently getting a new sponsor uh, for Wichita and the Player One Esports tournament and stuff like that. But what it's really, what I really want to focus on is that the organization itself kind of faltered a little bit. Uh, the, Like I said, the investments, they hurt it and they made the league team leave, which I feel like the league team was one of their biggest... Um, biggest teams. They, they got the most attention. Everyone liked them. Everyone knew their players, even. Uh, players like Jurassic that played at, at GGS Academy. Players like Winter that was a C9 sub even before Academy was a thing. Um, it just fell apart, and that's what worries uh, universities, I think, is that what happens when they make those bad investments? They lose a lot of money, and that potentially hurts their program. The dean can just cut their program if they don't feel like it's worth it. So it has to be taken more meticulously. There's less risks, and obviously there's more legal things when it comes to collegiate because colleges have a lot of legal hoops to jump through, whether it's money or just rent, like flying, for example. Flying to Harrisburg, I know, is a big deal for us. So it's, it's a lot for... Uh, colleges to just jump through whereas it looks like these organizations are just trying to go 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 to be the next tsm or team liquid yeah and the, the same thing basically happened at uh Verdeo pro i remember seeing myra's tweet longer about how Verdeo pro made some bad investments and some bad decisions and things went south and they did the same thing cut the league of legends team like cutting off an arm off the body but the thing is, you usually only did that if there's if it was diseased, and both League of Legends teams, Polar Ace and Vertigo Pro, were notably the best parts of those organizations, and they had to cut them loose. And Vertigo Pro eventually actually ended up uh, capitulating and had to dissolve. But I mean, these sorts of stories are what's scaring people and making people come to me and be like, "Hey, amateur, it." It's not going to last long, you know. Yeah, we have all these leagues. Yes, Upsurge had 88 applicants accepted, which forced them to make two other leagues on top. Well, not two, one other league. They had to expand the Upsurge minor league after having 150 applications overall, you know. Yes, Player One is having these lands that are great and have a lot of publicity, and they're having the Player One Elite Series, and we have two other amateur leagues that are pretty much healthy. Not as big as those other two, but pretty much healthy. But where's the money coming from? There's no cash flow coming through these teams. A lot of it is grassroots, hey, give me a dollar, give me a nickel, give me a dime here to help me run this tournament. Some of them do have investors. I believe Player One Esports do have some sponsors and investors, but like Upsurge, I mean, there's not much money really going through the money flow there as of yet. And unless things change, it will be on Collegiate to man the helm and carry, you know, this legacy of lower level esports, especially in League of Legends, where after Riot cut out the Challenger series, this is where everyone goes to play that's not LCS or Academy. 
But we're going to go ahead and move on beyond that. We're going to talk some Georgia State eSports. And, Brett, I'm going to go ahead and rip it off right off the bat here, looking at the Georgia State eSports program. Now, we both know there has been progress made in the program. There's still much improvement to be made, though. And as the head coach of the League of Legends team, I got to ask you, what changes do you want to see to not only help you improve your squad, but for all the teams within the program? Because we just talked about how some of these schools and universities have to catch up and have to sort of step up the way their infrastructure runs. Yeah, I think that um, at Georgia State, we have the opportunity to host a very beautiful land. It's been improving every semester. This will be our third semester, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that we're going to have Panther Land. And I think that that's where we can start uh, for for growing our program. We get more attention this way if we host great tournaments. Uh, we can get money if we potentially have a big tournament. We can start charging people to play in this tournament and having, you know, maybe not a prize pool, but a, a, a prize like headsets or gaming chairs or something like that to kind of attract more people get more money into the program um i think that funding it's very difficult at the collegiate level because there's a lot of hoops to jump through like i mentioned earlier but there should be ways to fundraise um there's stuff like student fees which we got for the first time ever uh in our program's history so that that helped us out a lot uh and was able to help us get to harrisburg but for getting attention, like I said, we just need to focus on that land. We need to focus on marketing ourselves, whether it's through Twitter and Twitch, uh, you know, finding some sponsors uh, so that they can help us get our names out there. Also, when I look at schools, I look at schools like Illinois Westland. I look at schools like Maryville, who had a lot of sponsors for their Hue Fest. I look at schools like Columbia College, who have done well with marketing, uh, stuff like that. That's just been really, really huge. And even at a smaller, smaller level, uh, shout out to a couple Georgia schools. I think Kennesaw is doing it great over there. I think they're so Social media is great. I think their school club is great. They're not a school-funded, university-funded team, but they do have a lot of university backing behind the students with, a, and uh, also a few faculty members that help them secure locations and stuff for lands. Um, Georgia Tech, I think, does well as well. Uh, does well at that as well. Um, the Tech Land do it does pretty well. Their team is pretty large. They have a huge uh, fighting game community, which is. An, necessarily related to my field which is league but they have a huge fighting game community over there their league team's pretty good and then the big titan of georgia is uh athens online where everybody likes to play so i think uga does a very good job at that as well and i have to say that after having worked with pantherland and georgia state on pantherland for the last two semesters and like you said a third coming up this april that I think that this Pantherland coming up will be the best one yet. And you are completely right. I agree with you on every single point you made, especially the exposure and coverage. Let's be honest. Let, let's be frank here. The first year, year and a half of Georgia State Esports, it was kind of a gimmick for CMII. You know, it was, hey, we have an esports lab. We have a program. This is great. Give us money. And that's a little bit why we are behind why they are behind you know as far as building the program up but the fact that they've swapped that mentality with pantherland really 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 has made a difference now i've seen it i've seen it with how some of the students interact with how pantherland was run and how much student outpouring we had you know my entire casting team was all students i didn't have to pull anyone out of my freelancer notebook to try and come in and come through and help us student volunteers left and right i think if we add some sponsorships to that you know get more than just the dreamhack guys and access replays and andrew greenberg at gel god bless him i love them all but 
we got to get more money through this. And like you said, it is a lot of red tape because you got to go through the university because we are not our own program, which is something that if I were looking for something to improve on, make it its own separate program like the athletic department's program where it's its own entity. The athletic department owns the rights to pounce. We can't use pounce. They own the right to pounce. They get their own sponsors. They get their own money. We need something like that because right now a lot of that red tape is because we are caught up in the usual university mess instead of being our own solid section in our own esports program. Because I think that even without all that extra funding, we had some of the best teams in the South, League of Legends wise. I know our Overwatch team was, I believe, top in the nation. You know, CSGO team, God bless them. Hopefully one day we'll get them into the esports program. They're the number one in the nation. Uh, Smite team is getting there. Paladins getting there, you know. So there's a lot of potential. We just got to invest in it, Brett. And I know you feel the same way. But I'm going to focus in on the League of Legends team specifically. And I've looked at this roster. I know it's three new faces. We still have a seam. We still have... Kevin, aka Old the Best, and aka I can't remember what Asim's in-game name Sinestro. is. Sinestro, thank you. I'm so <laughs> I'm so used to calling him Asim that you know it just the in-game name just gets lost sometimes. But the point is the team it's full of new faces this year, man. And with only two returning veterans on that squad, what direction are you looking to take the team in? As I, this is your first year as the head coach. Yeah, I think that it's we're in an interesting process. We no longer have that starting five, that iron five that we've had in years past, or that uh, those three or four staple members. Now we have three new guys coming in, three talented new guys. Uh, you know, we have D two players in the top lane in the junk area in the uh, support role. Our jungler's catching on; he's learning really fast. So we're trying to get our foot door or our foot in the door, excuse me, for winning the South. Obviously, it's a big task. The South, even though it's a little bit weaker than most regions, it's still a big task to win that. Uh, it's going to be a long process to build a winning team because, like you. Said, we got three new guys and we have to shape those mental habits shape those solo queue habits uh, shape those attitude habits into something that's good for teamwork uh, but yeah that's the stage we're currently work on working on we have a lot of good pieces like you said all the best in the mid lane and Sinestro in the bottom lane but we just need to keep on building uh, on that teamwork and that communication so that we become not just teammates but good friends and we can trust each other 100% uh, when we make a shot call or when we make a game time decision the, when when this team there was a year, I believe it was a couple years ago. I don't know if you were in the program yet or not, but I believe our most successful year was when it there was no real. It was just five guys, five guys playing lead together. They went out and ate all the time. That was when Andy Jesperson was the captain. Our current student director was the captain, and they were near amazing. Now these last couple years, we've run into buzz saws. It was NCSU first year in that iteration. It was Texas A&M the next year. After watching what we did at the grudge match though at DreamHack Atlanta, after seeing it in person with my own eyes, the way those rookies played up on that stage, their first stage experience, and they didn't shudder. They did not wilt under the pressure. They went there, out there, and they smacked whatever team that was. I don't remember who they were because they got beat so Central bad. Florida. Central, Central Florida, Florida, they got the beat team. so bad. The Knights, <laughs> they got beat so bad. I, I, I'm really excited for what this team can do in collegiate. LOL. That started. Have you guys already started playing games? Our first game is coming up on Saturday, the 26th. We play Texas State University at four. Texas Eastern. State University at four, ladies and gentlemen. 
tune in to watch it. Hopefully, someone will be streaming it. I'm going to be watching it. I'm going to be supporting them. But last question on the topic of Georgia State Esports before we move on to talking about some more global competitions is, you know, looking at the two veterans on the team, they've been, as you said, you know, the best couple players for the past two or three years. They, those have to be some really big egos that you got to deal with. You got to temper them because they want to be vocal. You know, they know they've been there a while. They know that they have the tenure, as they say in the university system, to, to state their opinion at times. But how do you turn what could be a traditionally difficult situation in that into positive energy that can be used to make a winning team? Uh, it's all about living and learning. That's what I think it is. Everybody's still a kid here in my eyes. You know, I'm 19, turning 20 in uh, April, but a lot of people, nobody's over 22, 23. Uh, so nobody's really an adult. People do get frustrated. Sometimes you're going to have a frustrating set of matches and you're going to want to let loose some of that frustration, uh, but it's all about redirecting that bad energy into a positive experience. That doesn't happen all the time. Like I said, some people, like nobody's a, a huge adult. Everybody's kind of just leaning on each other's energy a lot. So when that does happen and people get frustrated, I tend to shut it down and redirect into a more helpful conversation. Um, usually it never extends farther than that, but afterwards I'll pull someone aside, whether in DMs or in a private Discord conversation, I'll talk to them personally. There's no reason to yell, embarrass them in front of the team. There's no reason to escalate the conversation. Just move it on so that you can start using those precious minutes of team-coordinated time on team-coordinated things, and then you just work on those attitude problems later. It's a great answer, sir. That's what I like to hear from my head coach, knowing how to lead these young men, a young man himself, knowing how to do the thing, shake and bake, and, you know, be be that, that uh, mediator, you know, that mediator that can get everyone back on the right track. But let's move on to some more global action, as this past weekend we did have some some LEC action. I almost said LCS. Because remember, this is now the League of Legends European Championship. No longer the EU LCS. Rebranded, franchised, put a little bit of bread on that chicken, fried it up, put some spice on it, you know, made it into something that people can taste, can love, and ain't bland. It's delicious now. And I just want to ask you, Brett, Week one, what's what's your first impressions on week one of the LEC, man? Uh, I'm, I'm enjoying FC Schalke 04. I'm a big fan of that team, so I'm going to talk about them all the time whenever I talk about uh, EULC, or LEC, excuse me, as you just said, they rebranded. I think that they played well in their matches. Um, I think that uh, SK Gaming also showed pretty well. They fought through the remake after they had a huge game against Fnatic, and they just turned the game back and won. I think... Uh, uh, there's new players like Abadaje in the mid lane for Shockey that's playing very well. I think that he's very, very good, and he has an ability to kind of turn teams around, uh, given his him time to grow. Uh, self-made the jungler for uh, uh, SK Gaming, really good. His Sejuani was nasty. I I really I, I really love that kind of gameplay. Um, you know, you have people like Pyrian for SK as well. But if we're talking about top of the table for Europe after what I saw, um, G2 has just played absolutely perfect game uh, gameplay so far. They've shown that even though the teams have gotten closer in the EU LCS, they still have pound for pound the best mechanical players in every single role. Wonder is still playing like a, like a champion like he was at, at Worlds. Caps is showing why he was in the World Finals with Fnatic. And Perks, people didn't trust him. They either had him first or last in his AD carry positioning. But I have him second or third. I think that he is one of the best AD carries right now. I think that he's flexible. I think that he's smart about the game. And mechanically, he's he's a god. And I, I, I got to count you a little bit, but not on the fact that G2 
is who they are. They're smurfing. I'll admit they are smurfing on people out there on the rift. They they like you said they shown that they're mechanically superior. They're macro superior. The perks caps move did work. You just you can see how much perks' own knowledge. Having spent that year of Fnatic helps with just how well their macro works and being able to somewhat play through him. But there's really any lane they can play through because everyone's out there. Even Yankos on that jungle Karthus playing some OP like that. Press R and everyone's dead after like what 16 minutes. But my thing is that they really haven't faced anybody that could challenge them. You know, they really haven't played that team yet. You know, I give SK a little bit of a mulligan. I think they're on my radar too. I give them a mulligan because... They're, no, they're nowhere close to G2. But on that note, I just can't wait for the, the Misfits G2 game, man. That Misfits look clean. They look efficient. They're a well-oiled machine. If there's any team that's a well-oiled machine, it's them as far as macro play. And with Gorilla at support, they can just do what they did the previous year, but it's just a better version. It's that 2.0 play through the bot lane, completely smash your play in the bot lane with Maxlor. And they have Febovin in the mid lane, Soaz in the top lane, who are not going to traditionally lose lane. Febovin is rearmed, redeployed. He's re up for this season. You can tell he loves what he does again, and it shows on the rift. And that's going to be my match to watch this coming week. And like you said, SK, pleasant surprise. I, I love what they did against Fnatic. I love the fact that even though there was a remake, they still basically went out with the same game plan, executed, self-made, is a player to watch on everyone's radars, you know, whether he flops or not later in the season. I there The ceiling just seems so high for this young man. He can only go up so far, especially after the masterclass he pulled against Broxa. But let's focus in on Fnatic real quick. Should Fnatic fans be concerned? I know it's extremely early in the season, but I don't think anybody expected the amount of the lost synergy that they had when Caps left. You know, we knew that they, things would be out of sync, but we didn't think that they would have, say, Bwipo split pushing on Urgot in the right lane and the team trying to defend a Baron on a, across the map 4v5. No one saw that one coming. Yeah, I think Fnatic seems to be struggling to find an identity without Caps. Caps, one of the best players in the world. I think that you can only say good things about that guy. Uh... So they played through him very heavily. His his champion pool in at Worlds was an ocean. It felt like he felt like he was he mastered everything that he played. So they were able to just lean on him pretty heavily. Now the training wheels are off the bike. They have to try and learn how to balance themselves, and they're falling down a little bit. Uh, Nemesis, I think, is a good piece. I think it takes time to learn. We got to remember that it took Caps a year and a half, two years to become the Caps that was at Worlds 2018. So we got to give Nemesis some time to grow. Fnatic need to know that they got to take it slow. They realize they're going to get hit in the face. They're going to take a few punches, but they got to continue to build up Nemesis. They got to realize that Bwipo no longer has Soaz behind him. Maybe there's a little bit of not a issue with him being lazy or something like that, not feeling his spot is going to be taken, but just an issue with his mental and you know making sure that he's still grinding become the best player i don't want to assume anything about that guy i think that he's one of the most talented top laners in the world but uh i think that they need to realize that they gotta they gotta bolster up whippo they gotta make him the guy that he was the the 1v9 guy the guy that was dominating that matchup against c9 in the semifinals. they gotta you know keep building nemesis's mental up uh nemesis a new guy so he's gotta he's gotta learn how to play with with you know people like hillisang and people like Reckless and Broxa, you know, some big names, some a big org, Fnatic. That's a lot to hold in one person. He needs to realize that they, uh, he's got to, he's got to build that up. Um, but yeah, I think that they're they're gonna be fine. It's a rough start. 
they still have Broxo, they still have Whippo, they still have Reckless to just lean on. Uh, Nemesis is gonna, it's gonna take him some time. Maybe a split, maybe another, uh, maybe by summer you'll see him kind of become his own man, but he's gotta take, it's, he's gotta, it's gotta take time in order for him to grow. I mean, despite what looked, despite what looked like a, a mediocre start from, from the young gun, he, he was still at the top if you look at the stat sheets I, I look at oraclelixir.com. He was still at the top of just about every other category except for laning phase categories like CS difference and goal difference. But then again, he was put into counter matchups every single draft they had. And I think a lot of it was just the fact that, as you said, they played through Caps. And it was mainly Caps Broxa and how Caps relieve room for Broxa to go off and be Mr. Broxa. And Nemesis has to be willing to fill in that role. And I feel like Hillisang is almost a bit restless. He's, I saw him make a few mistakes in the bot lane out, out, out of position, you know, a little bit over-aggressive because he, he couldn't roam up to Nemesis's lane and use the advantage they might have had in the bot lane to try and assist his mid lane. That's just not how they were playing those specific games. It just looked, you know, the, the UOL Hillisang, that over-aggressive, Hillisang out of position, shouldn't be there, gets caught, dies. That sort of thing. So, But I agree. I think week two, week three, this will be close to the old Fnatic, but nowhere near the strength, I think, with Caps. And we're going to take a more broad look at the LEC now, take a look at everything and not just a specific team. And, Brett, does this season feel any different to you than previous EU-LCS splits? Because to me, it feels the same. It feels like the same meal but cook differently, man. It's G2, Misfits, and, and or Fnatic at the least top two. With every other team in the scrum below them fighting, you know, they're almost there. They need one more thing to get them over the hump. They're not just there yet. And the only difference is that they, we have some old brands back. You know, OG, SK, and SK looks promising. And I know it's only been one weekend of games, but I mean... It just feels like the same as far as the competition. Nothing really has changed about how things are shaking out. I'm not seeing, you know, Schalke no fur at the top. They are one and one, but I'm not seeing them vying like G2, Misfits, and Fnatic. They're still seem to be, you know, head and shoulders above the rest. Yeah, I think that G2 and Misfits, they're head. They're, they have better mechanical players. You mentioned stuff like Febavin. Uh Gorilla, you know, just some big names. They still have Han Sama, and we already talked about G two and how pound for pound they're the best team in the in the league right now. But I think that we have to give it a little bit more time. We got to let those teams catch up in uh, communications and uh, and macro, and they got to let them, you know, become their own team. So what I'm looking for right now in week one, week two, week three is I'm looking at how much hype is into it. I'm looking at like you said the the old guards, the El Clasico that we had in week one. I'm looking at Origin, how they're going to do when they're coming back with the new backing. Uh, S uh, I'm looking at stuff like that. And then I'm looking at what kind of roster moves have happened so that we can look a little bit into the future on how the LEC is going to look like. I'm looking at Ignar right now for Schalke. I think that he's, he's you know him for the Leona. You know him for the Blitzcrank at Worlds two years ago. So you, you're going to love hoping, you're going to hope that you're going to love what, what you're seeing there in terms of his creative picks. Um, but yeah, I think that the new rosters, the intense week one matches that we had with stuff like SK versus Fnatic, and the huge spike in viewership, which is what I saw a lot. I think that uh, the first game between Fnatic and SK and week one, day one, had about 300 or 400,000 viewers. I'm sorry, I don't know the numbers exactly off the top of my head, but they averaged about 240,000, which 
if you were around in spring last year, it was EULCS LUL in the Twitch chat with some low, low numbers. But that's a really good number for uh, EULCS coming forward. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm riding the hype train right now, and I'm waiting for the gameplay to kind of catch up. I think that there's a lot of teams that can go for the top of the table. G2 and Misfits, like you said. But I'm liking SK. I'm liking Schalke. I'm, if Origin can get it a little bit more together, I think Mithy has a few problems that he had on TSM that he's been carrying with him. But uh, Fnatic can also catch up. That's six teams that are just going to be at the top of the table, in my opinion. That's all your playoff spots, but... Uh, you know, even Splice and Vitality have chances. Vitality was one win away from going to the top eight at Worlds last year. So they they have a chance. Splice, I think their, mat, or their roster is pretty bolstered. I think that everybody has a chance here. Uh, there are a couple teams like Rogue uh, and Excel that I don't think are going to have as much success in the first split. But, you know, eight teams being very competitive is really, really good for the EU LCS. You want those matchups to be exciting. You want them to be hyped up. You want the rosters to be hyped, like I said. So... I'm excited for the EULCS. You can say that it's the same meal but cooked differently, but I'm thinking that this baby's a five-course meal, and I'm going to have to unbutton my pants and let my stomach <laughs> hang out a little bit by the end of it. Oh, don't 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 let it hang out a little bit too too much, man. <laughs> Old girl might 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 leave you over too fat of a stomach. <laughs> but I, I think I can feel you on that. You know, I can feel you, and a lot of it, you know, I can see is just teams getting used to having their rosters not having those mainstays, like Vitality lost some players. You said both teams, Vitality and Splice. Splice lost Odo Omne, you know, just getting used to not having those staple names and how to play without them. And you're right. We will have more competition down the road as long as it doesn't develop too late because the worst thing you want in a split is, oh, we're in, you know, week six or seven and finally these teams are starting to show up and it looks competitive, but it, it hasn't been until basically the end of the line for them to catch up. And also, I think a lot of that that viewership numbers, as you said, was the production level of the LEC. They have that on lock from the hype videos at the start of the season to just the overall production during the games. Outside of those technical issues, which looking at what Riot employees have been saying and the staffers that worked the LEC this past week and was out of their control. Besides that, it's been fully on point for the European League, the new kings of the Western Hemisphere, if that's what you want to call it. But let's go ahead and move over to the LCS. These guys, the bums, the NALCS. Oh, LCS is a meme now. Um, and I, I talked about them in hour one about how I'm dissatisfied with their work on their marketing before the season started. But nevertheless, let's talk about competition. But I'm going to go ahead and ask you out front. Who are your top four teams in the LCS coming in and why? Uh, Team Liquid, you saw the acquisitions, Core JJ in the support role. Jensen in the mid lane, I think that they're kind of like G2 of the North American LCS. They're pound for pound the best team in every role. Um, they're going to have to just show that they're that dominant in every lane. I think that there's going to be a little bit of a hiccup uh you know, come crunch time in these games, but I'm, I'm expecting their mechanics to kind of carry them for the for the few for the first couple of weeks until their their macro gets increased but after that 100 thieves is on my eye along with cloud nine i think they're on the same level i think bang and afro muet for 100 thieves bottom lane is just going to be the most disgusting thing on the planet i think that they're gonna they're gonna rival that double lift core jj bottom lane and they're gonna give them a run for their money but uh, i still think that 
who he uh, hasn't really shown too much. He's been on a kind of a stagnant CLG. So now that he's on 100 Thieves, I, I'm a little curious on how he's going to do. Uh, we know what we can expect of someday. And Anda's been relatively good for North American talent. But we're going to see what happens when he faces, you know, his third split in the LCS. Um, C9, you know, their only change being Niski instead of Jensen. Niski slash Golden Glue. Uh, I think that that battle is going to be interesting. I think that Niski is a very good player. You see things like his Cassiopeia that makes montages. That's how good that is. And with Cassio being in the meta, I don't think he'll touch that champion for a while. But um, I think that, you know, Licorice is going to bring on his Licorice things. I think that Zazel and Sneaky are a top four bottom lane in the league in the LCS. So I expect them to be at the top of the table. And then right below them, I think... I'm going to say TSM, even though I'm not a huge TSM fan. I'm excited for Broken Blade. I think that he deserves a shot, and I think that he's going to get it here. He's going to show why he's uh, a good mechanical player. Uh, there's a little bit of hesitation just going on from his previous league's last split. I think that maybe he was just mechanically better than anybody else in that league, so that's why he looks so flashy and so good, but I'm still excited to see him. I'm excited to see Smoothie in the bottom lane. Uh, working with Zvin, that Zvin Mithy breakup is going to be interesting. We saw Mithy kind of carry those old habits, got picked off a few times over there across the pond uh, for, uh, with Origin. So I'm wondering how Zvin is, you know, reacting to the big, big change in the bottom lane. You know, three years that they've been together. So that'll be interesting. But yeah, TL uh, slightly below them, 100 Thieves, a tiny, a, a little bit bigger gap, C9 and, and TSM right below them. I'm I'm with you on three of the four. Brother, I'm with you on Team Liquid. I think you're right, spot on. Their acquisitions are just—it's it, too good. They're—they're they're too good of a team. I mean, what what are you gonna do? There's nothing. Uh, Jensen, Doublelift, Ole, Xmithy, you know, Impact. And while yeah, the top the, their top side of the map is sort of long in the ears, and they're not the most astounding mechanical players you've ever seen. They are extremely solid, still better than most of the top layers and junglers in the LCS and their bomb half of the map can can carry them a hundred thieves uh, you hit that on the money as well banging afro moo that's going to be insane and I think who he if they allow him to play the who he style that he is best at which is he's going to be a roaming mid laner he's always been the roaming mid laner the thing that didn't work at CLG was the fact that they tried to put the onus of the team on him, but it was not involving him rotating and roaming. It was more, you're going to stick in lane, and we want you to win lane, and then transfer that. And who he's always been a guy that is better at roaming to his side lanes, helping them get leads. Now he has a side lane he can go to. You already, you know, you already have someday up there in the top lane, but you don't really need to help someday. Best top laner in in the LCS last year. He has a bot lane who he can roam with consistently and just do great things. I think they're going to try and play the map just like Misfits did this past weekend. Uh, Cloud9 is, like you said, Niski only change. My, I just want to see what he does on the Rift because we'll, I'm going to be completely honest. From my perspective, he did not have the best year last year for Splice. It was okay. It was not the Niski that... I thought he could be. Was it? It was. It was Splice, or was it Envy that he played with last last year? Yeah, uh, it was Splice. It was Envy two years before. Right. So Splice. I think he didn't have the best year with Splice, and this is his chance to prove that he can play to the level we know that Niski can play at for a top three team in a region. I gotta differ with you though on the fourth team, which is for me, it's Clutch Gaming. It sounds crazy right now, but when you look at the spring split. 
the teams that succeed are usually the ones that either are just head and, head and shoulders above the rest, like the Team Liquids and 100 Thieves, just mechanically, macro-wise. You know, even if they're some new pieces in there, they're so good at what they do that it shouldn't affect anything. And then it's the teams that have that innate synergy that have played together for a minute, like the Cloud9s. And Clutch Gaming, if you look at their roster, Huni and Demonte are really the only two new members on this team. And Demonte, I believe, has played with some of the players on the Rift for Clutch Gaming right now in Academy before. It's Piglet and Vulcan in the bomb lane who played all year together for the Academy, for their Academy team. So that's a good synergetic duo. Who need a top lane? Good individual talent. You don't know if you can put the reins on them or not, but you don't try and put the reins on Huni. You just let wreak the, the dogs of war in the top lane and hope that he doesn't go 0 and 10, that he goes 10 and 0 for you. And you have Lyra, who's a superstar jungler that's just needed a team around him. And Demonte has always been a competent mid laner. And I think for the first split of LCS, that's all you will need. TSM, I like the roster so far. I just think they're going to take a split, as TSM usually does when they get new pieces, to get used to each other, get acclimated to the play style, get used to the TSM atmosphere with the fans, you know, the fanfare, the media, all that's going to be in Broken Blade's face. Smoothie, yeah, he's been in the LCS for a minute, but he ain't never been on TSM before. You know, the whole different experience, man, whole different deal. And I'm telling you from the perspective, I'm a TSM fan. I'm going to gut you like a fish if you lose me a game in the LCS. That's what we do. So that's the only one I differ on with you, Brett. But my question to you, and this should be the last question of this hour, is who of your top four do you expect to flop first? If, if they are to flop, who would be the one to flop first of your top four? Um, looking at that's a very difficult question because I think that the top three and top four for me at least are pretty, pretty big staples, and you don't want any of them to kind of fall over. Uh, I expressed some discomforts with a hundred thieves, like I said. Who he not the best split, like you said, he's more of a roamer. So I'm interested to see what they're gonna do. I think that Anda has some obvious faults, but he's been improving steadily, so I'm excited for that. Uh, we can expect Bang Afro to maybe not be on the same page. Um, but I guess I'd have to agree with you. Team Solo Mid is probably going to be one of the ones that would have to falter. I think the Zvin and Mithy uh, breakup is going to fall like hurt the bottom lane of Zvin and Smoothie a big portion. I think uh, it's going to take a, not a long time, but a pretty decent amount of time for Zvin to start to get back into the swing of things. Broken Blade's a big question mark for me. He's similar to Huni, excuse me, but he's not the mechanical player that Huni is, in my opinion. Um, and then we have the big Grig Acadian now coming up and playing... Uh, playing in lcs over greg because of the wrist injury i hope that he gets better soon but acadian coming in i was never i was never convinced that he was a fantastic player uh, on optic gaming and previously on echo fox if i'm not mistaken uh, i never saw too much out of him but i don't think that he's had a chance to really show what he has because he's been on some kind of low tier teams lately uh, for the past two years so i'm i think that that would be the biggest question mark is team solo man but like I said, Team Liquid, 100 Thieves, and C9. I'm, I'm expecting them top three, and they'll go to Risk Rivals in the in, uh, in the summer. Well, thank you for joining me, Brett. Thanks so much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure to have you. Good luck with the coming season for the League of Legends team at Georgia State. Good luck with your dealings with the Alabama program that's scouting you out. And I hope the best for you, brother. You have a good night, and 
Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the Culture A Gibson. So this has been Culture A. Next week, we'll be talking a little bit of Call of Duty with the Pro League qualifiers ending, and we have our CWL teams locked in. We'll be revisiting the LCS, among other things, once their week is concluded. Thank you all, and have a good night.